It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast, presented today by Fetch Me Home Delivery. I want to give a shout out real quick to our friends at Fetch Me. They are run by an alum of Auburn and have the greatest variety of restaurants to order and get your meal delivered in Auburn and Opelika. If you are looking to have your family meal delivered in less than 40 minutes, you need to go to Fetch Me. Fetch Me has a great selection of anything you want, including meals from your favorite restaurants. They even have groceries and coffee. I have to say, Fetch Me has the friendliest and fastest service in town. Fetch Me does that because their mission is to change the delivery experience by ensuring each order is delicious, accurate, timely, and most of all, you have a great experience. Fetch Me is the best in the business. Go check out Fetch Me at FetchMeDelivery.com and use promo code FetchMe20 to get your first delivery free. They also have a fantastic app. I have used it. Technically, my wife has used it, but Fetch Me, that's a free app, and use promo code FetchMe20 to get your first delivery free. I'm Zach Blackerby, and I'm joined today by Painter Sharpless of ESPN 106.7. Good day, sir. How are we doing? Swell. Off to a good start. And uh, we are a few days away from what I view as one of the most important games of the season for Auburn. Yeah, Michael and I referenced a show yesterday that the three of us did in the preseason about a week or so out from the Oregon game. We talked about ranking our top five important matchups, and I had A&M as the most important game of the year, and I still stand by that. I think if Auburn is able to take care of business, they have all kinds of confidence going to Mississippi State. I think the the win at Arkansas looks like a, a lock as well as Ole Miss, and then I think you got a chance to, to really take down LSU on the road for the first time and <laughs> about as long as we've been alive. Not quite there, but it's getting dang close to it. But, uh, you know, uh, and then I think if you fall flat, from a confidence standpoint, it's like, okay, you know, we've got a lot, we've got an uphill battle to climb. And we've seen Malzahn teams do that in the past, but I agree with you. It is a huge matchup for the Tigers. Well, I think about that loss in September to LSU at home mm-hmm. last year. And then a few weeks later, Auburn travels to Mississippi State and they lose again. And two things happen there. One, I think the loss at LSU was a real gut punch for Auburn. I right. don't think that they rebounded very well from that. And then, of course, your second loss, you know, essentially renders you out of the the SEC West picture because Alabama is almost certainly not going to lose two games. Right. But I thought that LSU game was a was a tough tone setter for Auburn, and that's how I view this A and M game. I'm surprised. Last I checked, Zach, the line was still moving more in favor of A and M, and I like Auburn in this game. I, I, at SEC Media Days, I had Auburn in front of Texas A and M as the third best team in the West. And part of that is because I think they're going to have similar records, but Auburn's going to win this game. Yeah, coming up, uh, you, me, and uh, Michael Pappas of ESPN 167. We'll have a conversation with Olin Buchanan of TexAgs.com. That's a few minutes away, but, Banner, I agree with you. I agree with you. You Yesterday on the show, I said I I was kind of feeling 27-17-ish in favor of Auburn. But once again, if Auburn's offense comes out flat and just doesn't move the football like it had trouble with against Oregon— I, I, I wouldn't be shocked just because this is Bo Nix, obviously a freshman, his first road start. I don't think Dallas counts, one, because it's neutral, two, because Auburn had more fans there than Oregon by a lot. It's good that he got the traveling thing 
out of the way. Right. He, he knows what that feels like, but it's going to be different when everyone there, there's 100,000 people there that don't want you to succeed. It's totally different. That's a tough place to play. And I know they get a hard time because of their yell leaders and a number of other things that people tend to poke the Aggies about. They're but, doing something right. It is a difficult place to play. They're yeah. very passionate. Yes, it's more than 100,000 strong, a beautiful stadium, but that's neither. Have you been? Yeah, and when I went, they had not yet done the renovations. They were doing, I went in 2013. What so a they, game that was. Yeah, it was a good time to go, for sure. I really think this is a huge moment for Auburn, and it's not to say that they could, you know, couldn't lose this game and then go on to have a great season, but I don't, if you're losing to AM, it seems hard to fathom beating LSU. Georgia and Alabama, certainly taking two of those three. And again, I think this is the biggest tone setter for Auburn. You could afford to lose to Oregon in your season opener because it's not a conference game and because it's the first game of a 12-game schedule. Right. At this point, though, an SEC West foe, a top 15 match. I mean, there's there's a lot about this game that I think can either set Auburn up nicely for the rest of its year or it looks a lot to me like that loss against LSU last year where things continue to get worse. There, there's three things I want to touch on on the other side of our interview with Olin Buchanan of TexAx.com. That is next. But first, I uh, want to give a shout-out to the folks that, that want to head to the Texas A&M game or any Auburn game this year, any live event this year, sports, concert, whatever you want. Check out Vivid Seats. It's free in your phone's app store, both the app and VividSeats.com. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app Work for you, and you know we've we've said this all week. But use promo code Kickoff at checkout for a chance to receive a discount of up to one hundred dollars. I'm heading up to Columbus to watch Ohio State take on Michigan State with my father-in-law on October fifth. Mm. Instead of making the drive down to Gainesville, Florida, but I use the Vivid Seats app. I use promo code Kickoff, save lots of money. And those tickets were not cheap, but Vivid Seats definitely helped us out there. So use promo code Kickoff at checkout for up to one hundred dollars off your ticket order. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. We're now joined by Olin Buchanan of TexAgs.com. Olin, how you doing this morning? I couldn't be better. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Of course. Olin, I want to ask you the first and the first question. Sorry. I want to ask you the most important question first. Torchies or Fuego? Uh, fuego. Oof. Ah. Fuego, uh, and it's not closed in my opinion. Wow. So. So uh, I like and I like Torchies. And if you want to go, if you want to try uh, something a little bit different, throw a curveball, Mad Taco. Okay, for those of you who don't know, those it, are it, two taco restaurants. Mad Tacos, uh, <laughs> not too far from. Uh, uh, it's probably about a, a, a good bow nick throw away from uh, Fuego. Okay then, <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, Olin. Uh, Obviously, a, a big matchup this weekend for both teams. Auburn kind of in a situation where the, the offense doesn't really, fans don't really know what to expect with the offense on Saturday night. What do you think this Texas A&M defense is going to do to to attack this this young quarterback, as you mentioned, Bo Nix? Uh, well, you know what I think they're going to do is, uh, you know, I think 
they're going to well first try, you know, play the run and 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 try to get him into some obvious passing situations and then try to pressuring uh, try to disguise coverages as best they can and then uh, blitzing from different angles try to not to show him the same look two times in a row uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they send a corner at him if they send a, a safety at him if they send two safeties at him linebackers you know just uh, try to come from all different directions uh, while disguising it all, all along and, and, and do the best they can uh, to confuse him. Mike Elko's pretty good at that. So I think this is, uh, uh, you know, his opportunity to show that, uh, you know, that, that, that he can he can do something and, uh, uh, you know, possibly affect the, uh, the, the outcome of the game that way. It looked like to me that, this A&M defensive front or front seven really dominated the Clemson offensive line there in the first half. What was the the general reaction coming out of that Clemson game for this defense? Uh, I think for the defense, you came away, you had to feel uh, really good about it. I mean, that's Travis Etienne over there, and you keep him to about 53 yards. Uh, Now, the the, the backup came in and, and had some success, but you know, they're going to be focused on at the end, and they did a pretty good job with that. And, and quite frankly, I think any time – I mean, we all we all saw what happened in the national championship game last year. So anytime you can get out of, of, of Clemson, you know, going to their place and get out of there and, and only give up 24 points, I think you got to feel really good about what your defense did. Um, they could have been better. Uh, you know, there was at least one I can think of that uh, – one deep pass that – uh, you know, came a fingernail away from being a long touchdown pass for Clemson. Um, but, that, you know, that happens to everybody here and there. Um, I think overall, though, uh, again, we know how explosive that offense can be. So if you can limit them to, to, to three touchdowns and, 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 quite frankly, didn't get a whole lot of help with your offense in terms of, uh, of field position, um, yeah, you got to feel good about your defense. What's the general mood, Olin, for from this Texas A&M fan base? I mean, you, you mentioned them dropping that game to Clemson earlier this year. Then you, you come back and you handle a Lamar team, as they should, and now yeah. they get they get Auburn, a top-10 team at home on, at Kyle Field. What's kind of the mindset of the fan base and this team going into this game? Well, uh, you know, the team's always confident, but, you know, teams always are, uh, at least, you know, in September. Um, I think the fan base, I would call it cautious optimism. Uh, feel good about the team overall, but there's some concern about the offensive line. And you see uh, the Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing with Kellen Mond. You know, he'll, he'll make some just absolutely tremendous passes that, you know, belong on you know, every highlight reel that, that they're going to show. And then like at Clemson, he'll miss the guy that's open for a touchdown. He'll overthrow it by five yards. Uh, and he can be careless with the football, which he showed in the, in the Clemson game with a fumble. Um, so, because of, of, of a, you know some some concern, nagging concerns about the offensive line, and uh, uh, some inconsistency with Kellen, I think uh, you know the, the, that that all that optimism that you normally would have, there's just a little bit tempered just a little bit. And look. Uh, yeah, A&M did what they were supposed to do against Lamar. A&M blew out Texas State. A&M has not, as well as they played at Clemson, defensively still lost. 
So A&M hasn't beaten a, a, a legitimate team yet, and there's no doubt about it. Auburn's a legitimate team. Hey, Auburn knocked off, what, the uh, number 10 team or whatever, a top 10 team in Oregon at the time. Right. Uh, so they know that they're going to be facing a, a heck of an opponent. And so you, I think there's the confidence that they can win that game, but there's also that uh, uneasy feeling of, you know, the, is Kellen going to make the mistake that he made last year at Auburn at, at, at key times that enabled Auburn to come out and win that game? Past Kellen Mond, this group of skill position players that A&M's got coming into the season were touted as some of the best in the SEC. And now, obviously, starting running back gets injured. We saw some drops against Clemson. What is the, the general thought about this receiving group, this skill position group as a whole, uh, moving forward into SEC play? Yeah, I think uh, most of like the receiving group is still solid. Uh, I don't think you're going to rot them off after a, a bad game in, a, in that in that environment. You wish that you had guys that would have risen to the occasion, um, but you know we've seen them we've seen them have big games in a, in tight uh, uh, competitive games like against LSU last year, for example, and really come up big. So. Um, I think there's still some belief in that receiving core, and then they, they've just gotten another, uh, I guess, jolt of confidence with this uh, freshman, Anias Williams, who came in and did some really good things. Again, it was against Lamar, but but did some really good things, and uh, he's very has all, very physically gifted. Uh, he's got to show that he can do it against a team like Auburn, what he did against Lamar, but he, he certainly has the ability to do some special things. So I think they're still uh, still feel pretty good about the receiving core overall. Now, what A&M doesn't have uh, that they had last year was that tight end that's, that's proven to be a really uh, a big big play threat and integral part of the offense. They thought they were going to have that with Baylor Cup, uh, this freshman coming in, but, but he got uh, a knee injury in, in uh, August camp, and he's out for the year. Last week, Jimbo Fisher announced that the starting running back, Jay Sean Corbin, would be out for the season with a hamstring injury. What are the Aggies going to do to work around that? Well, they got this freshman they really like named Isaiah Spiller, and I'm not going to try to make it sound like he's as good as Jay Sean. If he was, he would have been starting, but um, he, he's a big kid at about 220. Somebody said that, you know, you forget he's a freshman until he takes his uh, helmet off and see what a baby face he has. But, uh, you know, he's had. He had an 85-yard run in the in the season opener, and he had a couple of 30, 40-yard runs against uh, Lamar. Uh, Hard-running guy, big guy. Uh, there's no doubt about him as a runner. I think with him, as with is the case with most freshmen, what you worry about is what is what is he going to do in the other aspects of that position. You know, catching the ball out of the backfield, running the right routes, uh, uh, pass protection. So far. He's been solid there, but again, it's a small sample size, and for the most part, that sample size has been Texas State and Lamar. Uh, but it's just as a, as you know, strictly a runner. Uh, you know, I think you can feel good about him if you, you know when you just turn around and hand it to him. I know there's a lot of talk when when Jimbo was brought in to to lead the Texas A&M Aggies. I mean, a lot of a uh, lot of expectations were kind of laid out there for him. You know, the and being given that national championship. Uh, plaque with kind of an empty date next to it 
How is the fan base responding to to him? You know, essentially not winning a national championship yet. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I mean, how, how has he dealt with all of that? And, and has the fan base been happy with him? No, the fan base uh, uh, loves it. He's the most popular guy in College Station, no doubt about it. Uh, uh, very popular among the Aggies. But that whole thing with it, that was supposed to be, you know, uh, a lighthearted kind of joke of, uh, hey, we got confidence in you, but and, 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 you know, like a lot of things do, it takes on a life of its own. Sure. Um, but, uh, look, nobody expected him to come out and win a national championship uh, you know, in his first or second year, you'd like to, you'd like to do what I guess Gene Chizik did at Auburn and you'd like to do what, uh, uh, Urban Meyer did at Florida. And I guess Bob Stoops, you could go on and on. There's several other examples and win it all in the second year. But, uh, you know, and, and you have with every fan base, you know, some folks that are just a little bit, um, unrealistic, but I think for the most part, the vast majority of Aggies understood the, the, the project that he faced of taking a, a, a moribund program that was just kind of stuck in mediocrity and try to not only get it out of that, that mire of mediocrity, but become elite. And that's not going to happen uh, in one or two years. Now, hey, if they beat Auburn this week and then was to pull off a, uh, an upset uh, two week, two or three weeks later, when Alabama comes to town, then maybe we can start talking uh, uh, differently. But uh, the way it stands now, I think what they want to see from Jimbo is progress toward building an elite program. And I think when you looked at, they were able to win nine games last year and come close against Clemson and come close against Auburn and and, and Mississippi State. Uh, and then uh, with the the recruiting success that they've had, I feel like. Uh, the vast majority of the, of the uh, fan base sees that there is progress being made and, and you're trending in the right direction. And for now, for now, I'll say it again, for now, they're very happy with that. Is there anything that we have not asked you that we should have? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, last year, A&M was, was among, their secondary was among the worst in the nation. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it, it was, it was heinous. <laughs> they, they didn't cover well and, and they tackled worse. And, and you might remember a play up at Auburn when A&M, uh, was trying to hold on to that lead. And I can't remember who the receiver was, but he catches a pass, maybe 10 or 15 yards downfield and it turns into a 50 yard gain because Aggie just can't tackle in the secondary. Um, and if, so maybe the question is, have they made strides in the secondary? And the, the, the answer would appear uh, that they've made significant strides both in coverage. A&M has five interceptions so far this year. They had uh, seven all of last season. Two of those came in the bowl game. Um, uh, A&M is, is showing uh, the ability to cover better. Uh, and they're tackling better in the secondary. Now, there's been uh, – you know, a couple new starters back, three new starters in the secondary. So that has a lot to do with it, I'm, I'm sure. And being uh, more familiar with uh, Mike Elko and what he's asking uh, in the defense, I'm sure uh, is a, a factor in that too. But uh, at least the early returns are telling us the biggest difference in A&M right now uh, from last year is that the what was an abysmal secondary has upgraded and to at least average, and if they keep playing the way they are, you know, better than average. 
Olin, do you have a score prediction for Saturday yet? You know, if you could tell me right now that that uh, that Kellen Mond's going to take care of the football, and not turn it over, I would take A and M. Probably very similar to the score last year. You know, like twenty-eight, twenty-four. Um, uh, I do think that uh, they, they have a good defensive team, and I think Mike Elko will do some things that that'll be effective uh, against the young quarterback. Uh, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, so I'll give the A&M the edge with the home field advantage. I mean, uh, maybe everything's going to turn where the, the home team starts winning all the games instead of the visiting team. Uh, and, and, I, you know, I think it's going to be very – I'd say like 28-24. That might be too many points. Uh, 24-21 maybe A&M. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be that kind of game. Yeah, we th- it'll be another low, close, low-scoring game. Yeah, we, we think it's going to be a defensive battle – as well. Olin Buchanan, thank you so much, man. Where can people find all of your content if Auburn fans want to check out some uh, some Texas A&M Aggie coverage? Well, we'd appreciate it if you'd give us a look at texags.com. That's uh, just a shortened version of Texas Aggies, T-E-X-A-G-S.com. And uh, all of our, uh, or not all of it, but a lot of our content is shared on The Athletic. So if you are a uh, subscriber to The Athletic, you can pick uh, check out uh, Texas A&M content there, too. Awesome. Olin, thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy. We, we appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on, fellas. Enjoy talking with you. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So good stuff from Olin Buchanan. And kind of went the way I thought. I mean, I, I expect this fan base of Texas A&M to be pretty confident going into this game. You know, because I, I, I'm sure they have the mindset of, okay, we lost to Clemson in a, a game that really wasn't close. The backdoor cover kind of makes it look better than it was. But really, Clemson handled them. But the whole... Okay, it's tough to lose two games, or we're not going to lose two games this early in the season. And, you know, you get a chance to bounce back at home. They're going to be eager to do that. But I just like Auburn in this game. I, I, I really do. And, Painter, I, I know kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier. I know you agree. Painter, there's three things I want to discuss. First thing, freshman defensive lineman Charles Moore has left Auburn's football team. He was the third highest rated recruit behind Bo Nix and Owen Papo and Auburn's most recent signing class. Your thoughts on this news? Disappointing because the talent likely was there, but right. I feel the most confident about any position group. It's it's Rodney Garner's defensive line group. The guy knows what he's doing. He recruits at a high level. He coaches the word that Auburn fans throw around maybe a little too much. Develops. He does it. So cliche or You're not, right. I, I, it's a disappointment. I'm sure that you know Coach Gardner would have loved for that to have worked out too. I think it'll be okay. I think it's a disappointment in some ways. I'm simply not that worried about it because of his track record. Look at what Auburn's defensive line is doing so far this year. Yeah, I mean, Auburn lost the number one recruit in the country that played defensive line. Obviously, Byron Coward, who's now in the NFL, but they're fine. They're going to be okay. There's going to always be guys uh, on Auburn's defensive line. As long as Rodney Garner is there, they're going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, you want those guys to work out, right? People that show tremendous potential. Yeah. Um, But he'll figure it out. Right. Um, Also, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but Gus Malzahn spoke to the media yesterday touched on some of the guys that are returning to practice. Starting wide receiver Seth Williams and offensive lineman Prince Tega Winoga did not play against Kent State. 
And obviously, Derek Brown left early with an injury. Um, but it sounds like pretty much all of these guys are practicing. Defensive tackle Derek Brown is being evaluated daily after suffering an upper body contusion, whatever that means. Um, but it sounds like most people are practicing this week. Seth Williams, who hurt, got hurt, hurt his shoulder against Tulane. He is returning to practice this week. And also, um, yeah, Bailey Sharp is out for six weeks. But we already knew that. And then uh, wide receiver Shedrick Jackson will also return to practice, and he will remain day-to-day. So it sounds like generally good news across the board for Auburn. I'm not so worried about Tega and Brown. I think you have to be until you see him play. Yeah. I am curious about Seth Williams. It, it just seems to me like they're being extremely and they cautious. should, and I think they should be. And, and I think, but I think they're being extremely cautious with Prince Tega and with mm-hmm. Derek for a couple of reasons. I think the most important pieces on their offensive line and defensive lines, excuse me. And I also think that they are going to be two of Auburn's highest draft picks. Certainly, Derek Brown almost is certain to be. I don't think the optics of it would look good if you pushed it too hard in a week against Kent State that you didn't need it. And there's just nothing wrong with with giving those guys rest heading into your first conference game. So to me, that's very precautionary. Mm -hmm. With Williams, I do wonder a little bit if if he's going to play. It sort of feels like he will, but then it starts to be a factor of, okay, how does he feel? Um, Is he limited at all? I think you want to have your best pass catcher out there, though. Did you see uh, Markel Harrell was asked about Malzahn starting, you know, listing six running backs as a uh, as starters going into the year on the depth chart? And he said, well, he's actually the starting running back, offensive guard yes, Markel Harrell. Yes. That's, that's hilarious. He, uh, yeah, he was having some fun with it, for sure. And so was Coach Malzahn. And then just kind of a quick note, Auburn basketball is hosting its third annual Pro Day for NBA scouts and front offices on October 4th. Over the past two years, over 60 NBA reps have attended the event, and all 30 NBA teams will be invited to this pro day on October 4th. It'll have some drills as well as a uh, five-on-five scrimmage to, to top it off. But it's just amazing to me that Bruce Pearl has built up this Auburn program where all NBA scouts of all teams are interested in what Auburn's doing. Yeah, he's changed not only the perception of Auburn, but truly changed the quality of players. It's not just, a okay, this team is you know, relevant. There's guys that are perhaps going to be relevant at the next level. This year, it seems, you know, you'd start to wonder, okay, will there be any success for Auburn, whether it's guys like Harper and Brown getting looks, or of course, Chumo Kiki Mm -hmm. being a top half of of the draft pick. I don't think so. Although certainly there's hopes that Austin Wiley could come around. I think next year, if Auburn ends up landing, guys like Sharif Cooper and some others who have been mentioned alongside him, yeah. that pro day could could be pretty wild. But it, it doesn't matter in a way because they're still coming to Auburn. They're Even if they don't seemingly have a ton of pro potential on this team for the upcoming draft, there's still excitement about what Bruce Pearl's doing. That's a total change from five years ago. You're right. So they have five seniors, Samir Dowdy, Javon McCormick, Anthony McLemore, Daniel Purifoy, and Austin Wiley. And then there'll be some excitement for the new guys coming in. Addition of Javon Franklin, as well as Jamal Johnson, who took a redshirt last year after transferring from Memphis. But you got freshmen in Babatunde, Akinbola, Devin Cambridge, Alan Flanagan, Tyrell Jones, Isaac Okoro, and Jalen Williams. And a few of those young guys, I mean, potential one and done when you, when you talk about Isaac Okoro. These guys are going to be studs for Auburn, and uh, we'll see how quick that impact happens. It could be day one. It could be uh, almost immediate. But... A lot of folks on Twitter, I, I love every time that 
Auburn football like stalls out or does something really bad on offense, everybody on Twitter is like, all right, so when's basketball start? So the answer to that is November 5th as they, uh, they take on Georgia Southern. But there's going to be uh, there's a lot of excitement going into basketball, and I absolutely love it. That or uh, the Bob Stoops rumors keep coming back, huh? Yeah. We're doing that again. It's a little too early for that, in my opinion. We're doing that again, folks. All right. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. Painter, where can people find you and hear you, bud? Check me out on the lunch break from 11 to 1. Justin Ferguson and me giving you all that Auburn news you need. Plus, I'm on Twitter at Paint Sharpless. I'm on Twitter at Z Blackerby. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Auburn. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.